Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. It is my privilege to bring the word as it always is such a privilege to bring the word of God. I love the word. You would know that about me. I love the scriptures. They really are living and breathing and have transformed me more than anything else. And uh, so it is always an honor to be able to communicate the Word of God. This morning, I want to bring strength to our identity in Christ. This morning, I want to bring strength to this idea we're talking about in January and February called This Is Us. And so who is us? What is us? And I want to bring strength to your identity in Christ. Who is it that you are in Christ? In essence, it's not who we become, it's who we always were. We just get reconnected with it when we start following Jesus. It is who you were created to be. You always were who God intended you to be. Just in the course of life, things may have distracted you or thrown a few curveballs or made you dial down or whatever it is. It's who you actually always were intended to be and who you were created to be. You just come into into that when you start following Jesus and are filled with his spirit, which enables us to be all of that. And so who are you? What is our identity? And our identity in Christ is deep. It's broad. It's vast. We could talk about our identity in Christ all year and still run out of time. Our identity in Christ is about as expansive as God is himself. And so this morning, I obviously can't cover all of it, but I have three thoughts that I want to bring to us as we talk about who we are in Christ. And so the title of my message is Agents, Heirs, and Lovers. Agents, Heirs, and Lovers. And as we go through them, you will notice that they're in progressive order of intimacy, Agents, heirs, and lovers. And so the first thought this morning is that we are agents. And it's actually a spin-off of the proper word, which is ambassadors. Agents, heirs, and lovers just sounded better. But Corinthians tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. So what does that mean? What is an ambassador when when we talk about it in earthly terms? An ambassador is a diplomat. An Australian ambassador is a diplomat living in another country, in an embassy in another country, representing Australia in that country. So Australia sends ambassadors to other countries to live there in embassies and to give assistance to its national citizens who are abroad. So an ambassador is a representative of the sending country in a foreign country. An embassy where they live is literally a plot of ground, a plot of Australian soil within another country. That's an embassy. So it's like, you know, the Australian embassy in another nation is literally like if you go there as an Australian citizen, you are within Australian territory in another country. And so you can't, unless you're an Australian citizen, you can't actually enter an embassy, an Australian embassy, without permission. And so actually refugees... Um, sometimes seek out embassies for assistance. And when they come into the embassy, they're now no longer bound by the local national laws, they're bound by international laws. 
on this small plot of earth within the country that is actually a representation of another country. And so when we look at that in terms of who we are now as ambassadors of Christ, it changes our reality. It changes how we live every single day. The key for you and I to realize if we're going to step fully into our identity in Christ, you need to realize that this earth is your assignment, not your home. This earth is not your home. None of us should get so comfortable building our life here that we forget we're actually not from here. We actually are representatives of another world, and that is the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at this even deeper. If I'm an ambassador for Christ, and I am living an embassy lifestyle, knowing that I'm bringing heaven to earth, I'm representing heaven in the earth. If I'm an ambassador, what does that mean? It means I have access to all of my home country's resource. I have access to all of my home country's military. So think about it in spiritual terms. I have access to all the resource of heaven here in earth. I have access to heaven's armies here in the earth. The Bible tells us, God speaks to Joshua and says, every place where the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. As an ambassador for Christ, when you walk into your workplace, God has given you that territory. You are an ambassador for Christ. Heaven's embassy is wherever you are. And you've been asking this week, God, why on earth have you got me in this workplace? When you understand embassy mindset, it gives life purpose. Right, I'm a representative for heaven. I'm an ambassador for Christ. That's why you've got me here. That's why you've got me here. I have access to all of the military of heaven. Did you know there are hosts of angels who are warring angels? Hebrews tells us that they serve those who believe in Christ. The angels, heaven's armies, operate on our behalf, waiting for our dispatch signal, waiting for our call. They operate on our behalf. We have access to all of that. Psalm 91 tells us that he has given us angels to charge over our well-being, that our foot would not strike a stone. I don't know if you believe me this morning. As an ambassador for Christ, I have access to all of the resource of heaven here on earth. It gives my existence purpose when I realize that. It gives my days purpose when I realize this, that this world is our assignment, not our home. Our senior, global senior pastor, Mark Ramsey, I've heard him say this for 20 years. We exist to bring heaven to earth so that more of earth can go to heaven. Do you live in such a way that you bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere you go? Do you live with that level of power and influence in your every single step? Every place where the sole of your foot will tread, 
I have given to you. Do you live with that level of power? Christians are not meant to be the good people in the earth. Christians are meant to be the power-filled people in the earth. We're not meant to be nice. We're meant to be powerful. And when I say powerful, I mean bringing change, affecting change, bringing the kingdom and the reality of heaven into the earth. That's who we're meant to be. And that's what the world around us should experience every time we're around. We should walk into an atmosphere and shift it and bring what? What, what happens in heaven? Life, blessing, healing, freedom, restoration, transformation, liberation. That happens in heaven. And we are representatives of heaven in the earth. Do you remember when the disciples were with Jesus and they said to Jesus, of all the things we could pray for and all the different ways we could pray, what would you say we should pray? Jesus, teach us how to pray. And in Luke, we see Jesus respond in Luke chapter 11. And he says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, honored, revered, respected be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? Where? As it is in. He gives away God's intention and God's purpose in the first statement. Lord, we honor you. We revere you. We recognize you as king. And so now let your will be done as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. So the question is this. Is there cancer in heaven? Is there broken relationship in heaven? Is there lack in heaven? So if it doesn't happen in heaven, it should not be happening here. It shouldn't be happening in your experience. And you should be turning around the experience of the environments that you're in. If it doesn't happen in heaven, it shouldn't be happening here on earth because you're an ambassador for Christ. And you have all the access to all the resource of heaven. And if it does happen in heaven, where should it be happening? Right here on earth. What happens in heaven needs to be happening here through you. I'm an agent. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And so what I want us to understand, though, is that we're agents not by employment, but by sonship. So the Australian government employs diplomats and ambassadors. God doesn't employ us to be his ambassadors. We are agents by sonship, not employment. And this is where we shift gears from agents to heirs, a deeper level of intimacy. Scripture is filled with truths about sonship. In fact, it's actually a vital and foundational kingdom principle to understand that you and I are sons and daughters of God. We shift from being an agent. We shift our mindsets deeper to understand I am that because I'm a son because I'm a daughter. And so Jesus actually models this for us in John chapter 10, when he, he paints the stark difference between an employee and a son. There's a huge 
difference. From the outset, they might look the same. They do the same things. They might have the same functions. But Jesus actually models for us there's a massive difference between what he calls a hireling, an employee, and a son. I want to read it together with you. John chapter 10, verse 11 to 16. Jesus is speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by them. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring in and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. There's a big difference between a son and a hireling and it's this, I take ownership. I take ownership. A son lives by a foundational core value of ownership and responsibility. Personal responsibility for the father's business. Didn't you know, mum and dad, I was going to be about my father's business? Jesus models for us the heart of the son, and it's very different. An employee and a son are so, so different. If we were to contrast the two, A son will give willingly and without restraint because he has this deep sense of personal responsibility and ownership. A hireling clocks on and clocks off. A hireling doesn't go over and above. They just do what the job description describes. A son goes over and above because he understands this is the family business. This is important. I have an inheritance in this. There is an eternal reward in this. This matters beyond my existence into the next. It matters beyond me. A son has a legacy mindset. A hireling only thinks of my week-to-week paycheck. Whereas a son thinks of investment and legacy. A son has a completely different posture of the heart. And God's saying, you're my sons and daughters. You are ambassadors because it's the family business. And so a son is so different to a slave or a hireling. From the outside, looking in, it can often be hard to distinguish between a slave or a servant, a hireling and a son because we're all getting the job done. And so really it's about the condition of our heart. It's about our level of revelation. It's about our level of encounter with God. Is he the harsh taskmaster that the parable of the talents reveals? Or is he a father? If he's a father, you're a son. If you're a son, your heart is completely different. You're not clocking on and off. You're not doing bare minimum. You're going over and above. You're investing. Your heart is expanded. You are now a son. A slave is obligated. A son is not. A, a hireling is complacent. Son is not. A son has a heart investment. A son, sonship is a revelation. It's a conviction. A slave is weighed down by ill-fitting burdens. Are you a slave to the things of God? Do you feel that they're ill-fitting, that they're burdensome? 
A son does these things with joy and expectation. Yes, they're heavy. Yes, there is a a, a healthy burden to bear, but it's not an obligation. It's not ill-fitting. A son is different to a slave. A hireling experiences no sense of ownership or responsibility. I'm done. My shift's over. I'm out of here. A son is never like that. It's not clocking on and clocking off. And both of those extremes are opposed. The The slave and the hireling are opposed to heavenly ownership. Sonship simultaneously applies both spiritual discipline and freedom. A son is disciplined and free. A son applies both of those things and walks in a healthy sense of ownership and responsibility. A son carries his position with strength and grace. A wise son is a blessing to his father. Proverbs says over and over again, A wise son is a blessing to his father. Our lives would be blessing God. A son takes initiative and responsibility. It's not a burden, it's a joy. A son, when something needs to be done, a son doesn't wait for someone else to do it. A son doesn't wait and say that's someone else's responsibility. A son steps up and gets it done. And so our identity and our position is sonship. Romans 8 verse 14 to 17 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we now cry out, Father, Father. And the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to witness to you that you are a son of God. We are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's huge. Consider everything Christ has inherited sitting at the right hand of God. And right there, the Word of God, the Spirit of God is saying, you are a co-heir with Christ. Everything Jesus has inherited, He paid for you to have as well. When we recognize and when we empathize with His suffering, it says there in the next verse, we also empathize and inherit His glory. We are co-heirs with Christ. It's a beautiful thing that we understand our identity is a son, a daughter of God. I take ownership for this. I take ownership for this. I go above and beyond. The posture of my heart is a posture of a son, of a daughter, in intimate relationship with a father. And then it moves us on to the last thought I have for you this morning, and that is, We're agents, we're heirs, and we're lovers. We are lovers of God. The ultimate level of intimacy. In progression here, we've gone from agents, almost like associates, to sons and daughters, to now lovers. And and as I'm reading the accounts of all the kings in Israel's history, so Israel, the people of God, with kings rising up and then superseding previous kings and and all of the happenings that take place in the accounts of Israel. I've noticed, and it's it's this um, superimposed account in 1st and 2nd Kings, 
and First and Second Chronicles. Often it's word for word the same and the account. And so they're superimposed over each other. And I've noticed as I'm reading king after king after king, when God assesses each king, he only has one criteria of assessment. I've noticed this now over and over again. And this is his criteria. Either that king was faithful or he was unfaithful. He uses a marriage term to assess the king. He's using a term of intimacy. He's saying either that king was faithful or that king committed adultery against me. We're called to be lovers of God. And the ones who he calls unfaithful are the ones who gave their hearts over to other things. They pursued other idols, other gods, and he said that king was unfaithful. But that king, he was faithful because his heart was exclusively devoted to me. We're called to be lovers of God. We're born to be lovers of God. Faithfulness in marriage is devotion, intimacy, commitment, investment, loyalty, self-sacrifice, Our hearts are knit together. Our affections are loyal. And our devotion is exclusive. In marriage, faithfulness means I love you to the exclusion of all others. And God uses this term to measure our identity. Do we love him to the exclusion of all others? the exclusion of all other things. This weekend, Sam and I are celebrating our anniversary. On the 1st of February every year, we celebrate our anniversary. And this weekend, we're celebrating 17 years. And he has been an amazing husband. Better than any I've ever had modeled or seen before. Better than I expected. Better than I thought was possible. Honestly, I'm better because of his love. And uh, I remember when we were just started starting out, I think we may have been engaged and um, preparing to get married. And I said to Sam, listen, if you ever cheat on me, if you ever do that, I'm not even waiting around for an apology. I'm out. I'm done. I'm gone. I'm not waiting for the reason, not waiting for what happened. I'm out. I'm done. Just letting you know, right? That's it. I'm done. So almost like a warning, right? Just letting you know before we get started, if that ever were to happen, I'm out. And, um, and so obviously he's been amazing and we haven't had to address anything like that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But uh, do you know what? I'm glad God isn't like that. Because the truth is, every single person in this room has committed adultery against the heart of God. Every single one of us is an adulterer. Every single one of us have given our heart to something else at some stage in our lives. Every single one of us have been lured away at some point. Every single one of us have sold our affections to something else. 
and the love of our lives is waiting with a broken heart saying, why do you do this? Come home, come back. Why are you doing this? We're all the same. We've strayed and we've loved other things before Him and in place of Him. We've mocked His faithfulness towards us, painted our faces like prostitutes and sold ourselves to other lovers. If you and I were honest and humble enough, we would all admit, yes, that's me. And yet He comes looking for us. He isn't like me. He didn't say, you know what, Caroline, if you ever do that, I'm done. I'm not waiting for an apology. I'm done. In fact, He is waiting. (laughs) He's not only waiting, He's searching. He's looking for us. And as I was preparing this and I was was thinking about God's measure of faithfulness, is your heart faithful or not? That's the only measure He uses. Is your heart faithful or not? I was reminded of the prophet Hosea. And so as God raises up kings, He also was raising up prophets. And these prophets would bring His word to the nation. And often it was a very convicting, harsh word. But the prophet, of, prophet Hosea was different to the other prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Ezra. He was different. God wanted Hosea to live the message. So he asked Hosea to marry a prostitute. And she repeatedly left him for other lovers. He, God asked Hosea to live the heartbreaking reality that God lives with us every single day. And so Hosea married a prostitute and every time she sold herself and left him, he went looking for her. He went looking for her and he would buy her back from her pimps. And he would bring her back and restore her at the cost of his own reputation, the cost of his own dignity, at the cost of his own expense. He bought her back and loved her over and over and over again. And God asked Hosea to do this so that the people of Israel would understand his heart towards them. So that we would understand his heart towards us. When we give our hearts away, he comes looking for us. He never says, I'm done. I'm out of here. You've done the wrong thing. He comes looking and he purchases us back. He restores us. He brings us home and loves us again. I want to read Hosea 11 to you this morning. The Lord's love for Israel. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the further he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck and I myself stooped to feed him. How can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel for I am God not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion and when I roar, my people will return 
trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. You and I were destined to be lovers of God. Destined. There's no other love that will satisfy. We're created for intimacy with God. And we stray continuously until we surrender our hearts fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Until we come and give ourselves fully to Him. You cannot try Christianity. Following Jesus is complete surrender. Exclusive devotion. Intimacy. To be a lover requires commitment, passion, desire, hunger. And when we return to Him, we find our purpose, we find our identity, we find the only place where things make sense. I'd love for you to stand this morning. I want to open the altar this morning for ministry. For you to come and bring and lay down any idol, anything that you've given your heart to. Please don't allow pride to stop you in this moment. Don't allow rebellion to stop you in this moment. An idol can actually be something like fear, where you're gripped with fear and worry. Worry is idolatry. Worry is idolizing a situation or the possible outcome of a situation instead of trusting God. It's adultery. Fear might be anger. Anger is idolatry. When you come to God and you come and repent of that, the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is the complete opposite of that. It's peace. It may be an addiction that you have. You're committing adultery against the heart of God through that addiction. Come and lay it on the altar. It may actually be pride, trying to control your own life, trying to explain the principles of God away because they don't suit you. It's adultery against the heart of God. And God is saying, hey, I'm looking for you. He's calling for you in the streets. He wants you to come back. He wants to love you. He wants to heal you, restore you, and bring you home into wholeness. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.